All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast. As always, I'm your host, Bailey Eichbrett, and joined with me is the captain, Mr. Andy Full. What's going on, buddy? Oh, you know, just been slaying smallies for the last couple days. Hands hurt again. I feel like every time I get the cracked, hearts are like my knuckles gone from catching so many fish and handling so many fish that they just instantly go back to bleed mode like four <laughs> days later. So it's um it's painful. Well, when you get off Lake Erie and your hands don't hurt, there's probably an issue. Yeah, that was probably a bad day. If yeah. And where I'm at on Lake Erie is if we get less than 10 bites a day, that's a really bad day. So, and today we had a very good day. So that's it's, uh, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. Put some, oh shoot, I don't even know. I want to say we put probably 25 bass over four pounds in the boat today and a couple over five, one very close to six, post-spawn fish, spawners. Well, we weren't catching actively any spawners, but uh, some pre-spawn, post-spawn mix. They're coming and going, which is really cool. Well, that oh, so you got a whole mix. You got them at every stage right now. Yeah. Yep. That's it's cool. um, The next six weeks, five weeks, is going to be really fun. Well, the whole 20 over four pounds deal and a couple over six and everything sounds pretty similar to the experience that uh, our guests had today, yeah. not in, not up north, but down in Texas for some big old largemouth and uh, caught himself a century belt, which is pretty yeah. badass. And I'm like, it, it, it seems like when you go to Lake Fork and you see, you know, the tall top five basically all have a hundred pounds. It's like, dang, Lake Fork just shows out. But really, I don't think people realize how hard that is. <laughs> Consistently do that over four days, but changing weather conditions is absolutely insane and i'm really excited to talk about it talk about it with him when we get him on here in a second absolutely the way i think about it is like you hear of the insane amount of pressure that like a chick gets or a gunnersville or any of the tva lakes and then you take fork which is like an eighth or a quarter of the size of most of those lakes and it gets just as many boats on it and it has way more trees and dangerous situations for people to be driving around with it also being what I think like four and a half feet low or five feet low. I think it was six. Which, I think Shane will have to confirm it yeah. for us here. But uh, that's one thing. Our guest today, Mr. Shane LeHue, Bassmaster Elite Series Pro. We're getting on here in a second. Uh, I'm really intrigued to talk to him about like practice strategy because, you know, Lake Fork, I haven't been there only a few days, but like in my few days there, like Lake Fork's this massive lake for, in terms of like what the outsiders view it as, right? This big Texas lake. But when you're on it, like, it doesn't feel that big. It really doesn't feel like it, uh, especially now that the water's down. I mean, I'm just intrigued to see what kind of practice strategies were, you know, you know, implicated here to try to give yourself an edge, if yeah. any. But it's uh, I'm intrigued to talk about that. But real quick, Andy, for, to kind of give the folks an update, and uh, I have a big thank you to folks that uh, showed out for support for the, the episode of Chasing Hardware from Lake Ufala. That uh, video kind of blew up a little bit, and appreciate the folks that went over and engaged with that. But uh, the next episodes of Chasing Hardware will be next week, as I head to Lake Chickamauga for the next Hobie BOS. So that'll be fun. We we're talking about pressure lakes, and like we spoke offline with Shane here a little bit, and the yeah, Lake Chickamauga is definitely one of them because they were just there, and it's just absolutely insane how many boats that place sees on the daily. Like you go on a Tuesday morning, you think you'll have a lot of stuff to yourself, and, and good luck. It's it's absurd, but 
Uh, Andy, I think without further ado, let's get our guest down here today. Mr. Shane Lee Hugh. What's going on, sir? Hi, guys. How's it going? Welcome. Thank you. If I'm not mistaken, this is the first time Shane has been on, right? Correct? Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so, I, had, I had the pleasure of sharing the boat with Shane back in January down in Florida, where it was uh, supposed to be nice and sunny, but we were <laughs> greeted with, it was what, 28 degrees the first day? Yep, I think it was in the 30s, like two or three days while we were down there. Not yeah. not Florida-esque at all. No, we were we were down there for a Berkeley trip trying to uh, feature the new power bait jigs, and uh I, I remember hearing from the guys that like, yeah, it's it's kind of tough up shallow right now. And then we get a text, hey, Shane's got thirty pounds right now, and <laughs> lo and behold, finds him offshore. Pretty similar to, you know, how you caught him this past week. But but dude, before we we get too deep into the show here, obviously it's your first time, and the first time on the podcast, we want to uh, kind of know how this all started for you. Like, take us back to the first bass you caught, and who kind of got you into fishing in the first place. Um, it's, it's gotta be my dad. Um, I actually grew up on the Mississippi river near Davenport, Iowa. So I was, I was young, very, very young. My dad fished a lot of John Deere Tuesday nighters. And, uh, finally his buddy, I can't remember how old I was. It had to be eight, 10 years old. His buddy had to work late, couldn't make it. And my dad's like, well, you want to fish a tournament? And I, you know, me being, I'm like, heck yeah, I want to fish. <laughs> We caught one, I caught one fish that night. That's the only bite we had, and I won big fish. And ever since then, I was hooked. Caught one fish on a frog. <laughs> Perfect. It, so it was terrible back then. Off the money, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. So I can go buy some Skittles at eight years old. Maybe some so, Spider-Man or Batman stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so John Deere, what, what yeah. was that all about? Like, what was I don't the- know, it was. It was called the John John Deere Tuesday Nighter. I mean, it was, you know, a probably $25 tournament. A bunch of guys get off of work and go fish um, on the river. We, I think it was pool, maybe pool nine on the river. I, Do you I'll happen have to, to ask. remember what your big fish was? I think it was like a three-pounder, which is back then was pretty big for the river. Mm. Yeah. Are you so you're pretty excited to – kind of go back to your roots at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, I am, I haven't spent a lot of time up there like I used to, but, um, you know, I, we used to go about once every year, at least go back up there. I mean, cause it now it's 16 and a half hours from my house in North Carolina. So it's a long haul to go up there and just kind of deal with that. I, I did go for the FLW tour a couple years ago and it was pretty good. It wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't quite like I remembered it. But it was also cold that event as well, so it was a little bit different. But that's really where I got my start was, you know, fishing with my dad, little small tournaments, and then I fished uh, the junior stuff. I won the junior national championship when I was, uh, I want to say, 17, 18, in 2007, right before I went to college. And then I fished in college for UNC Charlotte. I fished some BFLs, of course, growing up. I uh, fished a little bit as a co-angler on the FLW Tour, and that's probably where I learned the most. I got to fish with guys like Brent Ayler, um, you know, quite a few other guys. Luke Clawson, um, and I got to know Brian Thrift. I fished with him a lot. So I've been around a lot of good guys. I fished with Hank Cherry before um, Hank made his 
big moves on the Elite Series growing up or mm-hmm. starting to fish here in North Carolina. So North Carolina was very good to me as far as um, progressing my career because I'm against, even in BFLs, it's almost like fishing a major tour event because there's a lot of guys around me that can make it very easily. Yeah, that area you're in is absolutely stacked. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) there's a lot of fishermen that have that have made it, and then there's a lot of fishermen that have made it and come and gone. But there's a ton that could make it that nobody has any idea who they are. Yeah, I'd give an argument that it's probably one of the most stacked talent-wise for you know bass fishing competition in the country. Like, I probably feel more comfortable going to to Texas or Tennessee to fish against those locals in North Carolina. I think for the prime reason of like, you guys have, you have a lot of diverse fisheries, but you have unique fisheries though, that the rest of the country doesn't have with those they are very unique. heron chasers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Norman, Norman's probably going to get like that. It, it doesn't have a ton of herring in it and never really has. And now it's got some in it. Hmm. How, how did that happen? Like, is that like I not supposed was, to happen uh, stri- or? No, nah, I think it was striper fishermen buying herring for catching stripers. And then, you know, at the end of the day, what are you going to do with them? You're going to dump them in the lake. Oh, man. So, is that a good <laughs> thing or is that a bad thing? It hasn't really changed the lake a whole lot. I've seen more of them actually up in the river, and the river is very shallow, which is not typical of a herring. Mm-hmm. Um, They're but, confused. Yeah, I am, <laughs> I am, am starting I? to see some <laughs> on the lower end. So it's going to be going to be a different lake. Well, that'll be interesting In to keep years. up with. Yeah, see how that changes. Because uh, we work with uh, the boys over at Queen Tackle, which, you know, obviously KJ being on the elites and working with Jeff. Uh, so obviously Norman's their backyard, so that's going to be interesting. I'll have to shoot Jeff a text. I was actually talking this morning to see if he's noticed that as well with the herring. Yeah. Get his, his take if he likes it or not. <laughs> he's pretty much uh, my neighbor. He lives about five minutes from me. Mm. Oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, dude, let's let's start breaking into uh, to Lake Fork here. Obviously, big congratulations on the the Century Belt. You know, that's Thank that's you. a big kudos to the the career and a stamp on the resume. Yeah, that was that was pretty crazy. I I, I knew I needed around twenty eight pounds, and I caught that big one. And I was sitting there trying to do the math in my head while trying to still fish and win a tournament. But I mean, <laughs> every angler wants to catch a hundred pounds, so I'm sitting here fishing and trying to do math in my head. I'm like man, I'm not that bright. This is pretty hard to do. <laughs> Cause I couldn't even remember like the first day. I'm like, how many ounces did I have the first day? I don't remember all that. I just go fishing. Like I don't, I don't really focus on where I'm at in the standings and, Oh, this is what I need to win. And I just go out and catch whatever I can catch. And that's what it's going to be. But once you get close to catching a hundred pounds, you're, you start thinking about it a little bit. Yeah. And yeah, then it's uh, like, it's like having like 29, 13, like you just want yeah. to just surpass that 30 mark. Exactly. And finally my cameraman, he chimed in. He's like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say this, but you need five ounces. I was like, oh God. <laughs> <laughs> like, then I started fishing real hard. I was like, well, That's luckily hilarious. I caught one about five minutes later. And broke yeah, that, that was awesome. Uh, we saw a few guys like go through that, like, was like on the cusp of it. Like I think Swindle, like Swindle, lost yeah. the one that yeah. like would have gotten him there. He was like ninety nine fifteen. Yeah, he literally was ounce away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
listening to that commentary on live yeah. was hilarious. Just like, yeah. not, not probably not hilarious for him, but like for me, it's right. like, are you kidding me? Is this how it's gonna go down? Like, <laughs> it, you know. it was like paraphrasing. He was like, oh, that's gotta be a hundred. Like, the official judge, he goes, I got you at ninety nine fifteen, and he just like <laughs> looked at him. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's probably thinking, you can't give me one more ounce. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, uh, so yeah. I talked cool. to him about it because uh, everybody told me they're like, "Oh, Swindle beat you in, in the last ten minutes or whatever." And I was like, "Oh, that's you know." I figured it was gonna happen because I didn't catch any of the last thirty, forty-five minutes of the tournament. And then I was talking to Swindle. He said, "Yeah, I had ninety-nine fifteen before I caught that fish." And I was like, "Well, now I'm glad you beat me because that would have been miserable to yeah. live the rest of your life knowing you caught ninety-nine fifteen. <laughs> You're that guy. <laughs> You're yeah. that guy. But it was his second time." catching yeah. 100 pounds so yeah but like still regardless still, of oh, it's yeah. your fifth time or your hundred time like 99 yeah. to 15 is annoying beyond all belief. it would have hurt just as bad i yeah, felt exactly. bad for him. yeah well dude there was a point in the day obviously we're gonna get through like we're gonna talk about the whole event here but uh you know it was like probably 11 o'clock our time where you were like i think you were in second place like you lee and brandon were leaving the doors wide open like i was talking to our boys over at Johnson Outdoors. I was like, hey, if Lee and BP don't get their their stuff together, like old Shane's gonna sneak in this thing, like, because you had a sack by like noon, I think Central Time. So like, they didn't have much to write home about. I was like, there's an opportunity. I I thought for a second that you had a shot, but what was going through your head throughout that last day? Well, I mean, realistically, I didn't think I had much of a chance at all, especially with the bag that I had. You know. 27 pound or I had 26 11 I think at noon or something like that 26 something and uh I figured I needed 40 pounds to beat Lee because he's gonna go out which he eventually did and then I got back to the dock and everyone was like man you were only a couple pounds off the lead I was like what I was like how's that even possible (laughs) (laughs) I mean I started the day 15 pounds behind I had didn't I mean he everybody's like Lee had like nothing they him or Paul like and I was kind of shocked by that but i figured maybe it had something to do with the weather the clouds and everything like that because that kind of killed my my top water bite so it mm-hmm. did change the lake a little bit um but yeah when once i got in and people started telling me that and then they were like but lee caught two big ones at the end i was like well good at least it wasn't like i lost by three pounds yeah and only needed one more fish i said i, yeah. I would rather it be that i got blown out than lost by three pounds and had a day like that yeah, I think he caught like what an eight pounder and like one of his last casts or something like that. Yeah. Eight and a oh, half pounder, I think. Yeah. Not sure he really needed it, but but go no. going back, going back real fast. So you mentioned because the thing that stuck out to me the most was that last day in terms of like the lack of sun. Mm-hmm. Um and you just mentioned that your top water bite died on the last day. Yeah. So most really people attribute day. like the overcast to like yeah. say, hey, that's a topwater day, but you're saying that's what killed it. So kind of dive into that. Lake Fork is, you know, you hear all these things about how good it is, and it is very good, but it is a very, very weird lake. It is its own fishery. Um, the fish do some weird things throughout the day. Uh, they change a lot throughout the day. You know, Shad Spawn deal some days, like when it was sunny, it was all day long the first two days of the tournament. Wow. I caught them on a cane walker and a square bill um, pretty much the whole day. I never had to put either. Of the, I could move. You know, the first first day of the tournament, I think I burnt 15 to 20 gallons of gas on that little, little lake. I mean, 
but that's just because I would run four miles one way, four miles the other, three miles this way, three miles across. I was just bouncing around so fast because it was so good. I just knew they they would get used to like my, seeing my top water. Um, so I could make a couple casts up there, catch a couple fish, first two or three casts. Then I'd have to move. Then I could come back to that place later and catch them again. Hmm. But then those cloudy days, I would have one chance. So whatever point I picked in the morning, that was pretty much the only topwater bites I was going to get. Hmm. And it was really weird. You would think with the cloud cover, they would bite it all day. It was the exact opposite. They bit it when it was sunny all day, and they would not touch it after that first initial shad spawn deal. Um, I had about 15 minutes to do it. So whatever point I pulled up on the third or fourth day, that's where I was going to get my top order bite. And then I'd have to go drag it around the power worm and stuff like that. And the third and fourth day, the fish were actually smaller um, for whatever reason on the top. I caught no small ones the first two days on it. And I would get five to six bites on it all day long, the third and fourth day. Cause I kept, I, I had to try it because everything I caught pretty much was three and a half to six and a half pounds the first two days. So I had to keep it honest and, I don't think I caught a fish bigger than two and a half pounds on the third or fourth day on it. That's a big Yeah, I don't know if that cloud cover does something to the shad in specific because I didn't see as much shad either. Now, when it was sunny, every now and then you'd pull up on a point and you'd actually see them blow up. You'd see like one or two fish. Um, But whenever they do that at Fork, there's not one or two fish. There's 15 or 20. Hmm. They run in like wolf packs on those points and stuff. Now, when you say seeing the shadow, you mean like busting on top or like even on your forward facing? No, it was so shallow where the fish were sitting. Every now and then I would see fish on the live scope um, sitting up there in like two foot of water, foot and a half of water. I could never really see the shad. The shad I would see was out behind the boat. But, you know, it let me know that there was shad in the area. But there's shad all over like fork. Like the whole thing is gizzard, shad, shad. But they were... Every now and then you'd see one skip across the top of the water, and if you could land your top water somewhere near it, there was obviously one chasing it. Whether he blew up or not, there was three or four probably sitting there behind it chasing it. Just an extra chance. That's yeah. all it is. It was. Those were gimmies, like in golf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when I was – I mean, granted, like I, I see when I was at Fork, but like the two, three days I was at Fork, I probably almost fell in like 15 times from <laughs> – just uh, destined being on the trolling motor, almost knocking me in with stumps. Yeah. Uh, but now that it's down so much, because what it's what six feet down. Mm-hmm. How hard is it? Is, has that cha- like become more difficult to navigate Lake Fork, or is it still the same? From, so this is this was my third or fourth time there, um, and I think it was a little easier, honestly, with the lake being lower. Uh, mm-hmm. Like once you get above the second bridge in the west arm. Yep. It, you can't get out of that channel and run. And I could actually see some lanes and I would idle them in practice, obviously, because, you know, I don't want to rip yep. something off in practice. It's not worth <laughs> it. Now in the tournament, if I found something in a lane, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. But I think it made it a little easier. Now the fishing was part was still a pain and it was really, really bad the first day. Cause the wind was blowing like 40. It was rough and you're sitting there and, it's a good thing we have spot lock because we could have never fished in that. In the I'm sitting, I have the boat in between fourteen pieces of timber on spot lock, 
and it's not moving. And I'm, I mean, the troll motor's coming out of the water half the time. Oh so my it gosh. was pretty scary. I'm like, man, if this thing comes off a spot lock, I'm going right back into that tree. Like, <laughs> there is no stopping it. So I told my marshal, I was like, yeah, you should probably just sit down and uh, not, not stand up. Yeah. Because if we get blown into that thing, one of us is going in, probably both. Yeah. yeah. Baby but shark on a shish kebab. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's always scared me, landing on top of a stump. Yeah. But, I mean, there no. is navigational buoys that you run. You run buoy to buoy on fork. Um, mm. If you've never been there, definitely that's what you need to do. Um, they do have boat lane chips. Now, when you run those boat lanes, do not get out of the boat lane. And when where it tells you to stop, you stop. Do not keep going. <laughs> have you learned you from experience? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have. First year I was there, I took a pretty massive chunk out of the bottom of the boat. Oof. Oh, gosh. I, I went a little past the stop sign, and I was sitting it down. And that's when it's the worst. I sat down on top of one, skiing into a pocket. Oh, it was pretty no. hard. Ouch. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bone jarring like, at that point. My marshal's like, ooh. he resonated with you he's like i've done that (laughs) i got back and looked at it on the trailer and i could see wood i was like oh boy yeah that's okay you start seeing that pink stuff that's bad yeah yeah i wonder how the bilge pump worked that day it was pretty good yeah about every hour it was pretty steady it got its money's worth (laughs) yeah good thing i have insurance right it would have been very very expensive and good thing it was underwater, so you can say you didn't see it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't see it. <laughs> I felt it. But I, I saw the other it. six million trees in the lake, just not that one. <laughs> that's insane. Well, dude, walk us uh, walk us through your practice, like leading up to you know day one of practice, kind of what you were looking for, and then kind of your mindset going into day one of the competition, if you felt like you had a shot or not. Um. Not really. I mean, I didn't know. You never know on fork. The good thing is it's a small lake, and if if you kind of know how to run around, you can try a lot of different things in a day. So with the lake being five and a half feet down, there's no grass, which typically we have grass. I always have an oak crap p- pattern at fork, <laughs> and it's very simple. You pick up a spro frog, and you go in the grass, and you fish. You're going to catch 18 to 25 pounds every time we go, no matter what time of year usually, except for the fall falls not like that but there's no grass so that takes that away the fish probably aren't going to spawn on on the bank because there's no cover on the bank so they're either going to be on trees they're going to be on shad spawn points or they're going to be out deep so i pretty much just stuck with that i mean there's really nothing else they can get on in the lake now guys caught them off docks that were in the water um that did play a little bit for a lot of checks but I kind of figured that wasn't going to be a way to win. I knew it was going to be one somewhere offshore. So I wanted to do both. I wanted to start on some shad spawn stuff and then fish out deep. And I had full intentions of doing that. Um, and in practice, I really only fished like one day. I idled for two full days. I never hardly casted that anything. Um, and I knew a lot of shad spawn points and areas where they got from previous years because we'd been there twice when that's going on. I did find one, um, 
one place way up the lake on the west arm uh, that I kind of figured nobody else had found. It was real. I mean, I got lucky finding it, to be honest. And it only produced for one day. But in practice, I made four casts. I jumped off a six, a five, and I caught two over four. Hmm. And I was like, well, that gives me a starting hole. And then I got a bunch of deep stuff to run from here down and a couple other shad spawn points. I've caught them in the past. I never even fished them in practice. Didn't know whether they were fish there or not, but I figured it only takes, it literally only takes you when you're doing that type of deal, two or three casts to know if they're there. I mean, you pull up they're they're going to bite because they're in a foot of water. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, the majority of the day, especially the first two days of the tournament when they hadn't been pummeled. Um, right. So you can, you can kind of figure it out and run a lot of stuff really quick. So that was kind of the game plan. And that, that place worked out the first day. I caught 23 pounds in like 30 minutes. Um, so I was really fortunate, but I only got five bites off of it. Kind of worried me a little bit. And then I was actually idling out of the timber. And I, for some reason, I happened to look back at a point. I, I did fish this point in practice because um, it's very hit or miss for whatever reason but it's close by this other place. I happened to see a shad skip. I was like, oh boy, I got to go fish it now. And then as soon as I put the trolling motor down, one blew up. My first cast, I bomb up there with Kane Walker and I jump off like a seven and a half pounder. Mm. I'm like, oh, that Ouch. sucks. Throw back up there, catch a five something. Then they won't bite the top water. Like I said, I had to alternate baits really, really fast. Pick up a square bill. I throw it up there. I catch a double. Catch two four eights. And then after that, it, it was done. <laughs> you probably thought that was a teener when you first set the hook. Yeah, it was. Well, the first big one, it, it is known for like big fish on that place. Me and Cobb have both fished it in the past. Um, but uh, yeah, when I, that thing locked up, it actually, it jumped. The first one jumped by itself. And I was like, oh, it's not that big. It's like four pounder. And then all of a sudden it got real heavy. And I looked at my marshal. I said, do I have two now? <laughs> Because I can't move this thing. Like, he's not in a tree. There's no trees up here on this one. And all of a sudden, they came up. And somehow, they jumped in unison together. Like, three feet out of the water. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I got two. <laughs> so, they're the, they're identical. So, they both jumped, and you got them both yeah. to the boat? I landed both of them. That's what I told him. I said, for sure, I'm going to lose one of these. If not Lucky both. Because they're just going nuts. should have played That's the damn lottery. That's what he yeah. said. He said, you might have just lost a seven pounder, but you just caught two, four and a half and jumped like five times. I was like, I know, I'm not even, I mean, you're going to lose them on treble hooks. Those things, are, they're, they are the hardest fighting largemouth I've ever caught on four. That's crazy. I think it's because they've been caught a lot and they know how to fight. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're like, <laughs> they this again. Like some saltwater yep. genetics in them. They just, they're, they're there to they're eat. Wild. Yeah. I mean, that eight and a half pounder I caught the last day jumped like three times. Like an eight and a half pounder should not be getting full airborne. No. And it did. No, I think it was a clip uh, of Polinick. He had like a seven and it jumped like a smallmouth, like three foot mm -hmm. clear out of the water. And I was like, oh my, I've only hooked into a handful over six and a half in my life. And they, all of them cannot jump. Like they can't get their bodies out of the water. No. Like that is insane. Different. Yeah. Those, those fish are built different something in the water i wonder if it's because of how many gizzard shed are there and how quick the gizzard shed is that they've just developed like super genetics to chase them down and they have more power than normal i think that has something to do with it and the way those the texas 
parks and wildlife people there. I wish every state did what they do. It's incredible. Like they want bass fishermen to thrive in their state. So those fish are, they're, they're pretty much genetically built. A lot of them. I mean, they're built from the biggest, baddest fish in the lake. They take them out of the lake, they spawn them and they put them back in the lake. Incredible. Smart. That's why that lake stayed in the slot limit. I mean, there was a, there was a big fish tournament the first day of our practice. And I tell people there's a lot of people that fish Lake Fork. But when you go out during a big fish tournament, there was a 1,007 entries. Not boats, but entries. So there was probably three to 400 boats on Lake Fork that day. Holy And crap. it was only... How'd you get a parking spot? Yeah, it was pretty hard. <laughs> All the, there, there is a lot of boat ramps on Fork. So, But, I mean, That's over the weekend... A thousand people would fish that lake and I'd pull up somewhere like I've never been and just trying to get out of those guys way just you know because I don't want to fish in front of them even though I'm practicing for a tournament myself I got two more days to you know figure out the a small lake like that and it I mean I'd get bit and I'm like I know these fish have been fished for (laughs) and it's incredible they just keep biting that's insane they're hungry because they um, put out so much energy chasing big shad around. <laughs> so. They probably do. <laughs> yeah. That's what, what I think the lake being down really helped too. Less water to I, look for. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many acres it took out of the lake, but it's not very big to begin with. Mm-hmm. You take five and a half feet out of a small lake like that. Well, it's going to shrink it by at least a quarter, I would think, because mm-hmm. you're losing so much water mass. Yep. I mean, five and a half feet is a lot. Like that's a yeah. lot. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Were you so the top water? Were you throwing the one ten or the bigger one, the one thirty? No, I was throwing the one ten. It matched the shad perfect, like size wise and everything. Yep. yep Was that like a five and a quarter inch bait? Probably. I don't know much about the cane walker, so I'm. It's um, like a four and a half. Yeah, I think the one ten is like a four something, mm. and the big one's a five something. Got it. So then kind of walk us through the tournament. Like I mean, you said, you had a really good start to you know, day one. And obviously you had your biggest bag on the last day. But, um, you know, were there any adjustments you made? Obviously the last day had different uh, weather conditions. But what kind of adjustments did you make throughout the tournament? Um, so the first two days, I mean, it was pretty much I could power fish, move around. Um, you know, after the shad spawn deal, I could pull up on – shad spawn points that I've found in the past, especially down by the dam in the really clear water. Uh, Cause lake, the, the lake changes a lot in six miles water clarity wise. It was very, very dirty where I was fishing up the lake, which I was surprised they bit a cane walker. I actually, that first day I had full intentions of catching them on a square bill. And I made a couple casts up there. I had one slap at the bait, didn't eat it. And like I said, all of a sudden a shad came skipping across the top. And I was like, well, I got the cane walker laying there and I caught all my fish pretty much on the cane walker. But towards the end of that first day, um, I was just kind of bouncing my way down towards the lower end. Um, Cause on one shad spawn point I fished in the past, I trolled up there just to look the last day of practice. And I saw two wolf packs of fish that swam by that the first one, probably if y'all had caught all five would have gone 28 pounds. The second one would have been way over 30. I was like, well, I need to fish this. <laughs> yeah. They're hard to catch, though, because it's, like like I said, super clear water. 
and you don't get very many shots at them because they do. You, I could watch them swim up on the point and swim right back out in the timber. Swim up on the point, swim back out in the timber. So they're moving really fast. So I just would go down there, and I was like, well, I'll fish around and fish some of these stumps. Um, you know, they're out of the water stumps, most of them, but they still created some shade, um, and they still had a big root system on the bottom where those fish could sit if any of them did decide to quit moving around. So I caught two of my bigger fish the first and the second day late in the day on that cane walker around stumps. Um, I think I caught a 6.3 the first day and like a 5.10 or something the second day. Dang. So it was pretty much all top water. Second day especially was all top water. Um, Can't argue that. No, I caught the first two days I probably caught 25 keepers. I know the first day I caught 20 pounds twice. Um, <laughs> second day I got... There's people really, that had like 15 pounds that are just punching the air right now. Listen, yeah. <laughs> well, I know like all I had to do was throw a top water on points. Like, <laughs> and that's kind of what, I mean, I, I kind of learned it during the tournament. It wasn't like I found that in practice and was like, well, this is what I'm going to do the whole time. But I had one, uh, again, late in the day, I caught a six pounder. Um, and I got very fortunate on that one. I bombed up on this point and I had one blow up, miss it, ate it. And it was a three pounder and I'm fighting it all the way to the boat. It's not going to help. It jumps like five feet from the boat. My cane walker lands and I'm about to reel it in. Cause I'm like, crap, that sucks. I like jumped him off, but he's not going to help anyway. So I'm trying to make another cast up there so I can keep the school fired up. Cause most of the time they would sit Well, for whatever reason, these all chased it out. As soon as my cane walker hit the water, six pounder ate it like three feet away from me. Had an no eight way. pounder trying to get it out of its mouth. No way. I was like, now that's lucky. That's, <laughs> that's crazy going your way. But yeah, that's like the the clip they Bass always shows of uh Jamie Hartman at Gunnersville. Yeah. He had you. what the five on and then lost it yeah. and then a six ate it. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that's the same nice. deal. But. You're it probably trying like to like get it out of the to me. Yeah, to me. be honest. Like, like I was trying to reel it in to make another cast so I could catch one. Like I can't believe she got it. It looked like a shark coming to get it. You're probably trying to yank it out of its mouth so that the eight would eat it. <laughs> no, I was happy with that one. <laughs> yeah. They look – I knew it was like a five or something. I was like, oh, that's going to help. So but, so, so basically what you're saying, Shane, just real fast, I apologize, is if you go to Lake <laughs> Fork and you have a largemouth eat it and you lose them, just open your bail and let the bait rest because mm -hmm. another one's going to smoke. blind that sucker. <laughs> yeah, like, because, like, it, it's funny, like, the – put in relative terms here like guiding for smallmouth on lake erie when a client will hook them and lose them instantly i'm like just open your bail and yeah. drop it because there's always like four chasing and i can't tell you how many times as soon as they close that bail they're like oh i got one i'm like yeah because like because they're smallmouth. Yeah. <laughs> that's how those four fish are there it's not yeah. usually just one fish it's yeah. a lot that you can't see yeah andy that's so true like yeah. we've yeah. talked about it a bunch oh, of times yeah, but sure. like I, when I drew Chris Johnson in the open in Ontario and he realized that I was, he left his, he made the mistake of leaving his graph on. So I was dropping on fish from the back. Uh, but when he turned it off, like every time he'd catch one is when I dropped down. So that's when he was like teasing me. He's like, huh, he smart co <laughs> Did you really? Yes, he did. That's hilarious. <laughs> that's hilarious. He, has, he has told me that story. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> smart co he's, he's a good buddy of mine. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, he, that was like the second fish he realized. 
because every time he'd hook up, I'd reel back in fast and just drop and wait. Yeah. And he was like, huh, smart coin. <laughs> <laughs> Quit doing that. You're oh, no. Head. Oh, no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is going to be a fun but a really long day. Oh, that's funny. Well, uh, so going into – here's my uh, question I'm really intrigued about. So going into the last day, so obviously three days for the majority of the time were relatively consistent in terms of conditions. You know, wind blowing, obviously majority of sun. But when you wake up day four and realize that you're not going to have sun, I mean, did you think to change anything up or are you just going to run the same game plan and then obviously change on the fly if needed? Yeah, well, actually, really the third day it changed um, to pretty cloudy. And I noticed a big difference. Um I went to a place I hadn't started yet, but I went there about midday the second day, and there was a ton of fish on it. Like, I got a bite for 15 casts in a row on that cane walker, and I was like, I'm going to start there. Well, first cast, I get a bite, catch like a three-something. Second cast, I get a bite, catch three-something. I make like five casts in a row, don't catch one. I'm like, huh. I was like, well, I know they're still up there somewhere. They got to be. And I picked up the worm, and I caught another three or four on the worm and I caught one good one, like a four, four and a half probably. And, uh, then they quit biting again and I rotated through some baits, caught a couple little ones. And at that point I figured it was over. They weren't going to bite again because they do, they get used to throwing in there and catching their buddies and reeling them back in. You're like I said, they're only a foot and a half, two foot deep. Right. So then I run up to, uh, I had a shell bed, um, that actually had some brim on it. Plus a shad spawn going on it. It was like a trifecta. Um, Jackpot. Yeah. And I got three bites off of it in a row on a square bill. I threw up there the first cast. I hook like a six. I jump it off. I'm like, well, that sucks. Sit down, put on brand new treble hooks. Throw back up there. Lose one I never see because it whooped my butt. Throw back up there again. Lose another giant. I'm like, man, what in the world have I done to piss off the fish gods? I lost three that probably would have went minimum 18, probably over 20. And then I picked up a worm on that spot later in the day. And that place saved my day because I caught a six and a four and a half late. So that's kind of when I figured, you know what, maybe I need to be picking up this big worm um, on day four and dragging it around to get some bigger bites. Because everything I caught on the worm was actually pretty big. And that's been the opposite in years past. I know when Brandon won in 2019, and I was running the shad spawn stuff too. And uh, if you picked up a worm and threw it up there, you were going to catch like a 14 to 15 incher every time. So that this year was the opposite. Yeah. I don't know if it was a little later in the year, a little hotter, which it could have been because the water temps were around 80 degrees. Hmm. So the fourth day I pull up on that same place again, I get it. I get a top water bite. My first cast, it's a little bitty guy, like a two pounder, uh, make like three or four more casts and never get another bite on it. And that's when I picked up the worm and I caught a, I think I caught a three something heavy three. And then I caught that seven, five. I was like, well, I need to implement this a little more. So I run up to my show bed. I have like four or five bite it. I don't know if I kind of heard them the first three days of the tournament, but they would just bite it and not eat it. Then I'd have some brim peck at it. And I'm like, well, there must not be that many bass up there. If I've got brim for the first time in three days pecking at it. And then I was struggling a little bit, ran back to that place, caught a couple more. Um, and then late in the day, I was like, I'm going to flip some trees. 
and see if they've gotten around some kind of hard cover because they weren't up on those points as good as they were the first three days. So I just kind of picked the tree line outside of those shad spawn points, and that's when I started catching some. Now, the big one I got pretty fortunate on, I was actually turning the boat, and on live scope I saw a tree that had fallen over, and it was the only tree on the point laying flat, and I saw one big blob on it, and I made a cast right on top of her, and my worm was sinking, and I saw her shoot up, and my line just lay slack on the water. I was like, oh, that's man, that's awesome. got to be a big one. <laughs> and eight, eight, eight foot of water with a three and a half or a three eighths ounce weight. So that worm's falling pretty quick. Holy crap. And she caught it at about four feet deep. So she, I must have placed it perfectly right in front of her face to where she could see it. Right in it was, that vision. She was like, oof. oof. Yeah. <laughs> she must have been looking up, but she was like eight and a half foot deep. That was the deepest I caught one um, up to that point. Like I said, I, I, was, I planned on fishing deep. Uh, and mixing it up. And I did fish a little bit offshore. I think I only caught one fish uh, that was like a three and a half the second day, and it didn't help me um, offshore. Hmm. I just never really had to go do it. And there were so many other guys doing it that I just, I like to try to fish away from everybody. And that hurts me a lot in my career. It does, because I mean, we all find a lot of the same places. And uh, this one, it, it just kind of worked out where I didn't have to go fish around all the big crowds and stuff. Yeah, I hear that. I, I tell Andy all the time that I hate fishing around people. I don't want to see people fishing. I don't want to see anybody. But was that so, your eight, was that your eight pounder that you caught? Yeah. Yep. Oh, that's so Off awesome. Yeah. It, when that yeah, line went good. slack, you're probably you probably had like a mixture of like heart drop, but also oh like yeah, crack. I did like, I did the old man like. I'm going to sneak up on her, like slow reeled into her and then cracked her. And as oh, soon as Christ. I did, it was like a, it was like a tarp and just whoo, hundred miles an hour to the surface. She was not happy with that worm. No, was, <laughs> It bit me back. Yeah. <laughs> there she was. Those things, I'm telling you, they're the hardest fighting largemouth I've ever caught. That's crazy. And I think I cut you off. Were you going to say something? Oh, I don't even remember what I was going to say, so I, it probably was irrelevant. <laughs> the whole tarpon coming up it's kind of like phased you a little bit? Yeah. A little like, bit. Eh. Yeah, when I, <laughs> when I saw I mean, maybe Andy too, but me, I saw it out there and I was like, oh my gosh. I've got, this is like, I thought it was like a seven something. It's like, I've got another seven pounder. Yeah. And I, I had like, surprise, though. I had like four or five trees. So I kick the trolling motor on a hundred. I'm trying to fight her around trees. And for whatever reason, she just swims right perfect between them. <laughs> uh, of try course. Yeah, it's like, of course. That never happens. No. no but it's your time, argue. it's your time. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. So, I mean, this has got to be kind of a good confidence boost for you going into the rest of the season. You know, obviously, one, it's pretty cool getting the century belt, but get a nice top five finish going into Pickwick. Yeah, it's got to feel pretty mm-hmm. good. Yeah, it does, because for lack of a better word, I have been sucking this year for my standards, especially. Usually I'm a very consistent angler. Um, you know, I finish a lot in the 20s, I would say. And I was in 68th in points after the first however many turns that we've had four. That's the worst start I've ever had mm-hmm. in my career in 11 years. So I was not very happy after the first four tournaments. I'm very hard on myself. I mean, I, but it's good to be. Uh, while some people will like 
you know, you have like your family members that be like, oh, don't be so hard on yourself. Right. But like in reality, I think it's a good trait to have because yeah. when you set yeah. higher expectations, even if you don't reach them, you still, you know, you land yeah. in, a, in a good spectrum. But uh, not to dive, dive too deep into it, but like, do you think there's anything that's attributed to the slow start of the season? Uh, honestly, a lot of lost fish. Luck. Uh, yeah, <laughs> shit luck, a lot of lost fish. Um, St. John's, it, you know, I kind of, I beat myself this year um, before I got there. I dislike the St. John's for whatever reason. Uh, just doesn't fit what I like to do. Santee was good. Um, I lost a couple big fish where I would have finished easily inside the top 20s. And I mean, I found the same fish that Drew Cook did. He just, he beat me there. And then after the first day, you know, I gave him, gave him the respect that I wasn't going to go in there because I was an earlier boat number. I just, I don't do that. So, um, respect I kind of tried to, yeah, I kind of tried to find other things and I, sh- I should have stayed in that same Creek because John Cox and Corey Johnston stayed in there. Um, fishing, well, different fish in there. <laughs> yeah, fishing different areas. Um, not, not exactly where Drew was, but. Mm-hmm. I should have uh I just saw I, the second day of that tournament I ran around and literally like we were just talking about I watched somebody catch a big one every time I sat the boat down. So mentally oh. it was like yeah, it's I watched Clifford Perch catch like I ran to a fish that I found the f- first day of the tournament and it was only like a three and a half pounder. Well I watch him catch it, I'm like, okay, well I'll go somewhere else. All of a sudden he stands back up, starts flipping. I was like, wait a minute, there wasn't a female there yesterday. He oh, caught no. an eight and a half pounder <laughs> oh, that, off that same bed. And then I ran and I'm going to fish another bed for like a three and a half pounder. And John Cox is sitting on it holding up like a seven pounder. I'm like, man, this is, I got to get out of here. I can't watch this all day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I finally just, I left. So I kind of, kind of beat myself in that one too. The second and the third day were a lot tougher, but then chick, I broke them off, lost them. And I was only getting seven or eight bites a day and I landed four each day. So, dang. Well, well, here's to turning that around for the rest of the season. That's what what I told Mercer. I was like, I told him, I said, I'm starting my season right now. I was like, I'm already in a hole. It doesn't really matter. Got to forget about all that stuff that's happened because it's only going to hurt you if you keep thinking about it. Time to be free and have some fun. This is the most mental sport I think there is for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, if this you were, golf. if you could be pretty decent, yeah, golf too. If you yeah. could be pretty decent at fishing, and but you can like really hone in and nail that mental side, you don't have to be the most talented fisherman to win tournaments. Mm-mm. No, you don't. You, you have to be, my buddy uh, used to play high, high school baseball and college baseball, and his college, college coach said, you got to be a little cockadent. Cockadent. I, like I, I like that a lot. Okay, I, I got. I don't know what the hell that means. So can you explain? You gotta be, you gotta a little bit little... of cocky and a little bit of confident. Yeah. Oh, see, I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> <laughs> you got to be a little confident. That's what he used to yeah. say. So, and I like I that a lot. That. I'm like I said, I'm very hard on myself. I, I beat myself up more than I should, but I expect a lot of myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's something good to have, though. But yeah, I mean, I've said it a few times on here, but like. Um, Brandon Polnick's show that he did for the St. John's River it still sticks with me is, you know, you're not losing and you're just, you're learning. There's either mm-hmm. you win or you learn. You can't dwell on a loss. Like if you look at it as a loss, 
you know, you can be mad about it for 24 hours, but after that, you got to learn from it and put it in the rear view. Yeah. Well, if, if you look at it from that perspective, you're always winning because if you're learning, you're still winning because now you know what to do next time. That's some Miley Cyrus exactly. deep shit right there, Andy. Yeah, yeah let's not go down the Miley Cyrus train, but uh, sure. <laughs> that sure. is one call like this so good. I, I've talked yeah. to him a little bit. I've never really talked to him about mental stuff, but I, I want to because mm. he sticks out the most in my mind when it comes to that stuff. And I watch all his YouTube videos. He's one of one of the few that I that I really watch um, fishing wise, but. I watch him just because I learn stuff. No, I don't want to learn where he's fishing. Even if we go back to that, like I could care less about that. Mm-hmm. I don't care where he catches one, but I want to learn that his decision-making is, I think something we can all strive to do. He's very, sure. very smart on the water. Trust your gut. Yeah, Always he is, trust your gut, not your head. <laughs> he is very, very good at that. He's yeah, kind of like thrift in that aspect. Yeah. Thrift, thrift has told me, tons of times i fish with him quite a bit around the house because we live close together and he's told me tons of times he's you can make 150 bad decisions doing this in one day all you got to do is make five good ones mm-hmm. it's pretty pretty strong one-liner there thrift yeah. old redneck from shelby yeah it's a man it's a manageable ratio yeah, <laughs> yeah. well he's and for thrift he's i'm like Maybe I can make like 70 bad ones because I'm like, I'm going to fish half of what you do. <laughs> yes, <sir. laughs> I'm not going to run around quite as much as you do. Yeah, thrift. I like, I heard a quote about thrift though. It was like four or five years ago. And he's like, I think he said something along the lines. He doesn't try to catch the biggest bass in the lake. He just tries to find the most bass in the lake because eventually he'll stumble on the biggest bass. Yeah. That's the way he approaches it. Yeah, and he's, he's like, trying to I'm catch gonna everyone kid. in the lake. I'm <laughs> yeah, really every one of them. <laughs> yep. My favorite line Thrift has ever said, and I, I poke fun at some buddies when when he said this, but I love it just because it it it's perfect for how I like to fish. I don't like to see the bank, and he's like, fishing the bank's easy. He goes, I'm gonna go find all the fish offshore. And yep. If I can't find them there, then I can go figure them out on the bank. Hold on here, one second. How many people now that have electronics know how to catch fish offshore and how many people are actually starting to flock back to the bank just because of like that opposite effect offshore fishing is now becoming too easy. Yeah. Oh, I'll, t- I'll totally agree with that too. I just, I just thought it was funny because that's one thing I do every, I mean, not much anymore, but being that the kayak, you can only go three miles for freaking hour. Yeah. But like, you know, it's just, it's kind of an interesting concept, but, but how also how many people now have you know five graphs on their boat and don't know how to use a single one of them? <laughs> a lot, <laughs> also true. a lot. Yeah, you gotta you still have to invest the time in the learning that stuff. That's for sure. Money money can buy it, but yeah, can't teach you how to use them. That's right. Well, that's a great segue to one thing I wanted to ask you about, Shane. Is you know we see you doing a lot of different stuff, and it seems like you know, what I've been picking up from your practice strategy is that you have no problem going into a tournament day without much, you know, in your, you know, in your belt. Like you, you seem to fish pretty free. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's, that's a pretty dangerous trait, like in a good way. But as an angler, I'm kind of curious, do you like to be on the bank? Do you like to be offshore? Do you like to have a bait cast in your hand spinning around? Like what's your confidence? You know, what do you want to be known as? 
Yeah, I, I've always thought, like, I wanted to be a power fisherman, and I do. I like, I mean, if I could catch every bass in the lake on a brown jig with 20-pound line, I, that's how I would do it. Fun. But, I, yeah, <laughs> if I can slack line every one of them, oh, yeah, I'm all in. I don't want to pick up the six-pound test. Now, when we go for smallmouth, though, oh, yeah, I'll catch them all on a drop shot. <laughs> but I don't want to have to go catch a largemouth or a spot on a drop shot if I don't have to. Uh, but, I'll yeah, tell you I what, though. Oh, I, I apologize, Shane. I was going to say, catching no, you're... a smallmouth on a big jig in 20-pound tests. It's kind of fun, <laughs> I'm sure that, Yeah, <laughs> I have done that a couple times. It is pretty fun. Champlain, I've yeah. done it a few times. Yeah, but, that is a lot of fun, especially yeah. when they eat the big baits. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> They're always 100 miles an hour. Yeah. After they bite. After, yeah. 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 But, I mean, it sounds like, you, know, you obviously have your preference, but you're not afraid to conform to what needs to be done. No, I'm. I want to go catch fish. Like that's. I mean, I want to have fun doing this. And sometimes, I mean, it's not as much fun as others. You know, you're going to fish for six or seven bites, and that's just kind of what you have to do. I'm not afraid to lay up. Um, you know, this. It's a financially tough thing to do. So if I know I cannot win, I'm not afraid to go chase 10 grand and finish 30th in the points. So I make sure I don't finish 90th and take myself out of making the classic because you can't win the classic if you're not there. I mean, that's right. so I'm not afraid to go finish 30th. Like maybe I, and I do it too much. That's probably why I haven't won an elite event yet. Um, and this year I've taken a lot more chances. So, and I'm going to continue doing it now especially after I moved up 28 places in the points, which I can't believe, but um, I do want to make the classic. That's always my first goal every year, you know, make the classic. Yeah. Cause that's, that's a life changing event. If you do win it, winning an right. elite series, regular season event, probably not going to change your life. It's going to change your life for a couple of years, but you want a classic. If you do it right, it has the potential to change your life for good. Like you're a professional fisherman for the rest of your life and you're getting paid to do it. That's right. So, yeah, yeah I fish pretty free. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I'll do anything. Yeah. It, it, whatever they want to bite, that's what, I'll, that's what I'll do. Well, and I think there's a big point to say there too about consistency. Like if you're consistent, you are going to have your shots to win from time to time and you're paying the bills at home so you don't have to worry about that. So you can easily fish free most of the time because you know you're going to be able to make do at home and be able to survive what you're doing yeah it is and i'm i'm not afraid to have a bad practice either and just go fish yeah. conditions like yeah i think i think guys get hung up sometimes and what they did in practice and they're too afraid to or they wait too long to change and go do something to catch five maybe for only 15 pounds and be in 35th place but at least you didn't zero like, that sucks. I've done that. Right. I zeroed right. at Chickamauga in, uh, the first day and at Fork last year in the fall the first day. I went from like eighth in the points all the way to 40th. I barely made the classic. So Oof. I know what that's like. I don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> yeah. If I recall correctly, you weren't the only one that zeroed at those events. <laughs> no, no, they were terrible. No, they, were, they were just tough. Brutal. I mean, in general, it's fall fishing. Fall is all always tough about everywhere in the country maybe not up north but yeah. the rest of the country in the south it's pretty it gets pretty tough yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I was just about to say, except for the North, we can't wait for yeah. the weather to like change. We're like, it's game yeah. time. Yeah, because they're about all, they're all about to eat for the winter. See, our fish yep. feed in the winter because we still got water. <laughs> we don't yeah. have ice. Yeah, it's like after like once like smallmouth start spawning like mid mid June to like the you know third week of July it becomes really good to like flip grass for largemouth once the smallmouth are done spawning and then basically from then till like you're just waiting for the calendar to flip and hit November so I mean a little bit of October could be fun but once November there it's bonkers yeah, yeah. I want to go up and do that one time well you yeah, are you... more than welcome buddy <laughs> come on <laughs> so, up yeah it's um we live in a pretty great place like First week of October, no, I could go back like the third week of September through middle of December, depending on like how much snow and ice we get. It's just silly. As soon as you get like that first 40 degree night, it's on. Yeah. And it doesn't stop unless you get like 40 mile an hour winds for five days straight, which happens a lot on the Great Lakes. Yeah, it does. gets a little scary. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah we, you won't catch me out there in that. <laughs> no. no, 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 you do not. But uh, so, dude, we have uh, unless Andy's got something else for you, we have one last question for you. But before we do, I'm actually pretty intrigued. Uh, is Oahe going to be your first time there? It is. Yeah. What are, what are your feelings going into that one? I heard it's really good. It's got small mouth, so I'm all in. I'm I like fishing smallmouth. You for whatever reason, usually when we go to smallmouth events, it feels like a vacation to me, not a tournament. Like I know they're gonna bite somewhere. Yeah, they're (laughs) gonna bite. So the only thing I don't like about it, like when we go to Champlain or St. Lawrence, if you catch 17 pounds a day, you kind of (laughs) suck. You may not make a check. Just real quick, how how crazy does that sound to catch 17 pounds a day and to be like 65th and suck? Yeah. yeah. But now <laughs> if you catch 17, six a day, you might be in 29th. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what I don't yeah. like about it. That's the only downfall about going to those places. Dang uh, cookie cutters. Yeah. Yep. Three rat, all those three and a half pound rats that you're just like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're, that's like, like fork and up North. You're like, man, uh, it's a three and a half pounder. It's not that great. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun for a second, but now that I got them in, I'm not that excited. Yeah, it, that that resonates like solely with me on guide trips because the clients are like, "Yeah, that's a three and a half pounder, four pounder." I'm like, "Oh, whatever." Catch <laughs> yeah, a bigger one. Yeah, like we all have a lot more opportunities because some giants. Like, don't even yeah. worry about that fish. Let's not get a photo. Yeah, but <laughs> also as a guide, you're like, me. yeah. I had and to be a guide, you're like, as long as they're happy, you're happy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like, it, it's so hard to like switch into that mentality some days because you know what lives there and you know what you can catch. Like, yeah, last year we put on Erie alone on guide trips. I think we put like 150 over five in the boat, and I'm like, this is a great year. Like, and this year I'm like, oh, it's a four pounder. It's a four pounder. <laughs> <laughs> Shane's sitting here like, tell me where that hole's at when I come over. Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Just throw it out there. It's fun. When it's on, it's fun. Oh, yeah. Andy, you got anything left for Shane? No, I think it's time to him with the last question. Cool. 
All right, so Shane, we have one last question. It's for everybody that's new to the show. Uh, and that is, if you could choose three different individuals to sit down and have a beer and a nice steak and pick their brain, who would you invite and why? They don't have to be fishing related, and they could be alive thousand years ago or today. It doesn't matter. Man, you really anybody. put me on the spot. Oh, yeah. We don't give anybody a prep for this because it really just puts you in the moment for it. <laughs> the facial I'll expression. Go, I'll go one for fishing. And I already okay. said it, Paul Nick. Heck yeah. Um, I will go. Hmm. It's probably gonna be all sports related because that's all I really watch. Actually, I'll Heck go yeah. with a weird one. You know, I play a lot of video games. Uh huh. I would like to with Tim the Tap Man at a Dallas Cowboys game. Y'all can look him up on YouTube. He <laughs> I know a, you're talking about. Yeah, he's, he's from up here. Gamer, is he? Well, now yeah, he's he lives from Syracuse. in Florida. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's like his fifth house now or something. <laughs> what I'm getting at is I should have played video games for a living. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I think he's a multimillionaire now, but I think that's pretty cool. And then I'm going to go, I'm going to go Tiger Woods. Mm. That'd be pretty cool. Why? I like why golf. I like from golf, the golf a lot. aspect or like a mentality aspect? Both. Both? Yeah. Yeah, like that would be like pretty gnarly. New, like new got, Tiger. Oh, new Tiger. Like, I mean, not not like when he was like twenty three, like coming into golf. Oh, mm. so like when he won yeah. everything. When like, he won everything. Yeah, I want to. I want to know. And maybe like we can throw John Daly in there with us. Dude, John Daly then, and some beers. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Me and Tiger may not get a beer actually. Yeah. John may take them all. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of this dynamic because, like, you got yourself, Tiger, and Polinick, and you're having like some legit, like, mentality, strategic and conversation. Time, yeah, and just... John Daly in the back, just getting hammered, like, having a great time, <laughs> ripping on cigs and slamming 30 packs. <laughs> just another day for John Daly, hitting right. bomb, crushing beers. <laughs> Love it. Well, dude, uh, thank you for taking you know the time out of your night tonight, especially when you just got home from you know banging the boat around Fork. So we appreciate it. It was a lot of fun, and hopefully get you back on here real soon. Absolutely. Anytime, guys. Heck yeah. We appreciate you taking time, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. All right, Shane. We'll there see we you. All right, Shane. See you. You too. I'm still thinking about that dynamic of just like <laughs> John Daly and – you have like some serious conversations going on, and you're just like, yeah. Either way, but dude, we gotta we gotta get down to Texas for a trip some at some point. I agree, but real fast, like, could you imagine a party with John Daly and Kenny Powers, both wearing some pit vipers, like mullets, thirty pack, just having some fun, like wild. Sign wild. me up. <laughs> The stories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know if you remember the stories by the end of the night, but you'll, yeah. you'll have a great time. That's for dang sure. They'll remember the stories. We shall not. <laughs> no, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. Oh, man. But, I mean, we could probably tell the folks. I mean, it's not like it's a, we're trying to keep it a secret or anything, but we're trying to plan a trip eventually, you, Deacon, and I, at some yeah. point. It would be Really, obviously, Texas is up there. We have a couple different places we're talking about doing, but we're thinking about doing a whole video series on it. 
So if you guys want to see that on the Serious Angle YouTube channel, let us know because we have some some title ideas to series that we want to film because there's one thing in common out of the three of us that we've never caught. And I think Texas would be a really good place to try and do that. And that would be a heck of a lot of fun. But we got a bunch of different places. Like I love to go to Lanier, like when it's prime time and catch some magnum spotted bass. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Lanier will be an easy one to do. Uh, Fork probably could be an easy one, but like Texas, I don't want to go to like the big. I don't want to go to Fork. I don't want to go to Fork. I want to go to like the little lakes that I want to go back to. Yeah, I want to go back to Possum Kingdom. Yeah, like these little lakes that nobody talks about, where they just pump out like eight to 10 pounders and they're hush hush. Like those are the lakes I want to go to. There's a couple of Tennessee that are that way as well. Like that's what I want to do. Dude. That's one of my biggest regret of fishing that bass kayak championship last year and finding that massive school on a ledge and catching 12 pounds for two casts and moving on. And then the whole thing goes to mud and Mm -hmm. the fish are gone. My biggest regret is not fishing that school and just beating them up. Yeah, that place has so much potential, especially like if you like to throw a glide bait, the amount of big fish you will catch there. I bet like an eight inch paddle tail, like on you a can catch them on everything, dude. dude. Like you could catch them on, you know, just topwater walking baits, frogging, punching, flipping, you know, throwing a big swim bait on ledges, dragging a big worm. Yeah. And there's big stripers. I caught like a 12 pound striper on a big worm that I was dragging through a brush pile and thought it was a 10 pounder. Yeah, dude, that would be a fun video series. Serious anglers go striper fishing. Like, see, I don't, see, I don't know why. Get. This is my brain. It'd be so much fun. I could do it for top water, but I can only do it for a day because then I'm like, hey, what are the largemouth, dude? Yeah, fair enough. Like, this is why I tell you, like, when I go, if I ever go steelhead fishing with you, I can only do it for one day or maybe only a couple hours because my brain will instantly think bass. Oh, dude, like, it's crazy to think about that. Like, when I go in those creeks, I'm like, if it was springtime, a bass would be here. I wonder if there's any crayfish around. What are there any bait? Like my mind instantly, like even when I'm steelhead fishing, I try to incorporate bass thoughts into how the fish position because when they get in the current, they do exactly the same thing. Did yes, exactly. And but to take that to a new level, like my brain is this bad. I'll be driving down the road. And just see random rock piles on the side of the road. Be like, I'd crank that. And like, putting that in. <laughs> like that's, or like, oh, dude, I, I remember va- uh, vividly a couple years ago, I was walking on public land. I was bow hunting. I was trying to get back to my truck after the day. And I walked past a piece of grass and I stop and look at it and examine it for a second, thinking that it looks like milfoil. That's just how my brain works. You're gone, dude. You're <laughs> yeah. gone. When I say obsessed, I mean, I'm obsessed. Um. Obsessed. Yeah. You're gone. You're not yeah, obsessed. You're like, gone. Gone. Yeah. You're poisoned. <laughs> You're poisoned. Well, so. dude, uh, coming up, obviously, I'll be traveling a bunch. I mean, this next, oh, I mean, two months Month. is going to be insane. Yeah. You know, through July. Um, but I mean, what's coming up for you? What uh, any openings for people trying to go catch some big old smallmouth, or maybe? Even come up and fish one of the inland lakes for largemouth with you? Yeah. So uh, next week I have – this weekend I am i didn't book anything this weekend because I try to spend, like, major holidays with the family. So this weekend I'm actually building a deck with a pergola. So that'll be fun Saturday what? and Sunday. A pergola. Like, it's beautiful. Like, 
I'll send you pictures when it's. Yeah, done. I was gonna say I have no idea. Yeah. What that is. But I'm building a with my dad a 20 by 13 foot deck in our backyard, and we're building like a semi enclosed space and putting like bistro lights and patio furniture up and stuff. So that's gonna be fun. Monday guide trip, Tuesday and Thursday next week. I am open, but after that, like, I think I have twenty. I think I have like two to three days open in the entire month of June that I am able to book. Um, have some filming projects coming up in June as well for um, a couple companies that I personally work with and. Bailey has some stuff from one of them as well. And then uh, they look so good. Which, uh, semi-breaking news. Should I I put them on here? Yeah, they're they're announced. uh, Prototypes are done, and they are bringing them to market shortly. Should I go grab one? And you could bring one out. That's fine. And it's probably going to replace a very similar swim bait that we all know. And the kick on it is... That I know and love. Yes. I'll be right back. Give me yeah. 10 seconds. Um, so we're going to be doing some stuff with that. July, I have two really big tournaments that I'm fishing. As of now, if I ever get the time to sign up for them. And then July and August are actually filling really quick for guide trips. September, I think I only have like one or two weekends left to book. And trying to squeeze tournaments in there because I'm really starting to get the tournament itch back. Like I'm like, man, I need to go out and fish some derbies. So yeah. Is that the six or the eight inch? The eight. Oh yeah, it's a monster. Yeah, they we can't really call this a monster. Like for me it's a big bait. Like an eight's a big bait, but like I mean I guess big for us northerners, but I mean for where we're talking with Shane, it's not that big of a bait, but I mean Cool little body structure. Let me see if I can get it to actually focus. Well, here's the biggest difference with it is that they have an extremely durable body, but the way the tail is designed, it's like an upside down heart. So it thumps so hard. You can feel the little three and four inchers. I can feel it on like a medium action baitcaster. I can feel it thump, which is something you don't get out of a lot of like soft plastic swim baits. If you're really in tune with your gear and your line and the proper reel, if you know exactly what that bait is doing, you can tell the subtle difference. Because mm-hmm. sometimes fish on a swim bait will eat it and spit it out before you ever even know it. So, especially if you're creeping it, yeah, that's a really good point. So it's um, well, excited to hopefully film some content with that thing. Yeah, that's gonna be it, pretty sweet. I got to find time to get out there and mess around with it. Like, I feel like I haven't been in water shallower than 30 foot in two weeks. So that'll, that'll do it. Yeah. Um, and it, it's kind of hard to leave those fish just because it seems like I have a ton there and more coming back to me. So mm-hmm. like to explain it this year on Erie has been an extremely weird year. So it got, it was really cold. Then it got warm, and then it got really cold again, and then super hot, and then cold, and now it's, like, mild. So the fish didn't know what to do. We had fish spawn, in my opinion, super early in the main lake, which they're usually, like, the last fish to spawn. 
So we already have a huge population of post-spawn fish. And don't get me wrong, we get a lot of post-spawn fish this time of year. But to see them setting up the way they're setting up, it's normally a first week of June thing for me. When they get Mm -hmm. funky and they're getting there now, which is... For the spring we had, I wouldn't expect it to be a week early, but it seems like it's a week early. It does seem really early because I've been looking at my year-to-date type of deals, and yeah, it's way earlier than like previous years. Yeah, so like we have the first wave of spawners usually is like a big wave, and then it tails off, and then our third wave is the biggest, like second, third week of June in that frame but like it almost seems like we had a big first wave and they were on and off the bed in like two days so mm-hmm. i w- i went up shallow today around twelve thirty at the end of my guide trip just to look to see and i probably saw 35 empty beds but five with fish on them now like wow. the first wave was done in four days five days and all that's on them now are like one and a half pound males wow and I'm just like, huh, that is interesting. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because of the east wind. We had a lot of east wind for like 15 days, and it was like 90 degrees. So virtually it probably made the shallows way warmer than we thought they got. And they just got up there, dumped their eggs, and left. Hmm. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Every year is different. Mother Nature is a beast. You have... No rhyme and reason with it, especially on the Great Lakes. Yeah. So. Tricky, tricky, tricky. It's fishing. Yeah. Well, dude, you probably have some new content coming out on your channel as well, right? Because you've been getting your filming system dialed. Yeah, I've been filming. It's just time to upload it and edit it, which. Hard to do. Yeah, it's just, it's time. So maybe in the next couple days, you might see a new video up of like flipping some shallow fish or something i don't know i got some smallmouth stuff too from with jeff out on the lake yesterday fun fishing around so there's some stuff out there i just have to get it uploaded and figure out how i want to fit it in so yeah well if folks want to tune into that uh andy and i's personal youtube channels are down below in the show description whether you're watching on youtube or listening in mp3 which if you are listening on mp3 uh, still, you know, currently in this episode, one, thank you for listening through the entirety of this episode. But two, if you can, if you have not already, please give us a rating or review, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple, whichever application you are tuning in from. But Andy, I think without further ado, let, uh, let's wrap this shindig up. And uh, we will see folks on Friday with another Bassmaster Elite Series Pro. We're going to get Joshua Strasner on who's also in the top 10 at Lake Fork, who we yeah. have not had on the show yet. So it's going to be a lot of fun because that dude's a grinder. Yeah. Absolute grinder. Grinder's going to grind. Right. Well, folks, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We will see you guys on Friday. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more, which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. 
So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you like some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Searsanga fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all. And we'll see y'all on the next one.